Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. When it comes to St. Louis-made beers, there's a special place in Ian Shaw's heart and mine for Civil Life's American Brown Ale. Ian is a staff writer for Sauce Magazine, and its latest issue has his essay titled An Ode to Civil Life's American Brown Ale. If ode has you thinking of fanciful phrases for some wild combination of flavors, Ian's praises for the ale actually run rather the opposite. They're squarely focused on its hard-to-nail simplicity. He describes it as a brewer's beer with few imitators, always there, but never boring. And here with us now to talk about Civil Life's American Brown Ale is Sauce Magazine's Ian Shaw. Ian, welcome. Good afternoon, Elaine. And also here today is the man behind the ale, the head brewer at Civil Life, Dylan Mosley. Dylan, it's wonderful to have you here. It's good to see both of you. Now, it would not be proper to start this without cracking open one of these glorious beers. And this is cold. Full disclosure, I took a sip because it would be rude not to do so. (laughs) So this American brown ale, Ian, is not a wild and crazy concoction or a cutting-edge trend. It's actually a very old kind of beer. What is the history of your relationship with Civil Life's version? Uh, The history for me is, um, you can maybe tell by my accent that I'm not originally from St. Louis. Um, I come from Scotland, moved here about five years ago. Um, And I would say that Civil Life was one of the first breweries here that I visited almost immediately. um, I loved the beer, all of their beers, um, and the feel of their tap room um, in South City. And yeah, I mean, as a fan of darker beers, it was just one that I picked up on. Um, But, you know, the more that I drank it, the more I kind of realised this is there's something very special about this. It's, It's not just a beer that I like because I love stouts or brown ales. Every time I drank it, I would find something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- yeah, that's where I, you know, my relationship with it yeah. developed. And then what finally possessed you to write an ode to this beer? Well, I would say it was a, it was a collective possession, I guess. Um, my colleagues and I at Sauce were uh, discussing story ideas for our Guide to Beer issue, which is our, um, our March issue. Um, And one thing that we were discussing was we thought we'd like to do something about St. Louis craft beers that have become iconic. So not necessarily the beers that are, you know, the best, but we were asking people, what beers do you think have a special place in the hearts of people in St. Louis? There were a number of other um, beers that came up, and um, we're working on a a broader story about that. But the, the Civil Life American Brown was a theme that people mentioned again and again. And mm-hmm. so we started to think maybe this beer deserves its own story. Now, in Ian's essay, Dylan, the ale itself gets described in a lot of ways. A beer for all seasons, a brewer's beer, a teacher's beer, a beer that doesn't scream for your attention. Quote, 
It's just there being itself and waiting for us to come back to it once we've gotten over the latest shiny new beer trend. Let's get some basics here. What are the characteristics of any American brown ale? Well, I think American brown beer is quite unique in that uh, stylistically, it's often traced to uh, homebrew efforts. And as a style, it kind of uh, revolved around that. And so you really do see interpretations. And Almost all of them do describe hops in kind of a forward way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen lighter versions and darker versions, um, but uh, hops seem to be uh, at least prevalent to the point where the, the beer is normally described as hoppy. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, it, it really can be a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, our version, I think, um, does incorporate hops um, to um, to a level that they can really be enjoyed. Um, but I've certainly had um, versions that kind of borderline um, more like an India brown or, uh-huh. or something like that. And so I am not a beer aficionado. Mm. And when people talk about hops, mm-hmm. I, I know that that's the thing to talk about. <laughs> what is it, um, what is the, the kind of profile that comes with something that is too strong in that? Well, um, hops can also be a lot of things uh, to different beers. You know, the, the part of the hop that people often uh, are really um, using to uh, put into their beer that define it the most are the bittering oils. And um, so that can really have a profound effect on astringency or, or bitterness or grip um, of, of the beer. And then there are much more ephemeral uh, oils uh, that are in hops that give you that more floral uh, kind of cadence and, mm-hmm. and lightness and um, uh, more spice box kinds of things. So yeah. it's an it's a extremely uh, diverse ingredient. Broad range. Yeah. So how did you go about creating Civil Life's version? Well, um, I certainly didn't do it alone. Jake uh, Hafter, uh, the owner of Civil Life, and Mike Bianco, um, who still brews at uh, Civil Life with me, along with uh, Dustin and Dave and uh, Ryan, who helps out. Um, Mike and Jake and I uh, developed the beer in my basement. And um, it it really, it was cross-pollinated from so many things. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we had tasted our way through a number of beers and, and a number of ingredients, and we had, we had settled on uh, quite, a, quite a few malts that we really enjoyed. And just through a lot of trial and error, um, we kind of got to a place where um, the recipe was really dynamic and really diverse, but it just really seemed to have an elegance to yeah. it. Uh, you have to appreciate that we had a, none of us had done this before, and we came from home brewing, and 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 so this was our first foray into the professional world, and uh, we had never made beer on this scale before, and there was a lot of nervousness. Mm-hmm. And I remember tasting um, specifically the brown beer out of the tank after our first brew of that beer, and thinking to myself that 
we were going to make it. Yeah. And that was hugely important to me. And, you know, um, I, I don't know. I still think about that day. Um, certainly other people have lent uh, a lot of words of um, congratulations and, 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 you know, the people have been very happy um, to have tried our beer. But it was really kind of that moment. I had so much personal pressure on myself. That, that <laughs> well, and that's, I'm, I'm wondering a little bit about the pressure. Uh, we're talking here about Civil Life's American Brown Ale and why this non-flashy brew is an enduring local favorite. Uh, we're here with Sauce Magazine's Ian Shaw and Civil Life's head brewer, Dylan Mosley. Now, Ian, as you hear Dylan talk about the development of this beer, um, your ode slash essay, it describes the American Brown Ale as Civil Life's flagship beer. And that comes with some prestige, right? What qualifies this ale as a, a flagship in your view, and particularly as someone who has sampled beer in many different places and at different times? Uh, well, Dylan can correct me if I'm wrong here, but when, when I said flagship, I really mean just the basically the beer that if you're going to encounter one beer from that brewery, which is it most likely to be? So it, it's not necessarily going to be the beer that makes the brewery famous, world famous by winning a, an award or something, but it's just um, if, you're, if you're going into restaurants and bars around town, it's the beer that you keep seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan, tell me if I'm, if I'm way... Off the market. No, I, I think that's a great way to think about it. The, the one that you find? The one that you find the most. most and, and again, um, I believe that up to about 2018, at least, the American Brown was one of the only, if not the only, civil life beer that you would find off the premises, i.e. not in their tap room. Ah, uh, okay. You know? Um, yeah, when I first... When I was first visiting St. Louis and then living here, you could go to the tap room and discover this whole world of civil life. But outside of the the tap room, if you were drinking civil life, it was the American Brown. Mm -hmm. And and it's only in the last five years that their distribution has really ramped up. And, you know, things like being stocked in grocery stores. um, And this is a beer that I would like to take Mm-hmm. to my family in mm-hmm. uh, in Los Angeles. And there, there's lots of brewing that happens there too. Sure. Dylan, do you agree that this flagship moniker uh, for American Brown Ale is one that's fitting? And what does that mean from the brewer's side for beer to become that popular? And is there any pressure that's attached to that? Well, uh, we talk about that a lot. And um, most specifically, uh, the pressure is that uh, the last couple of years have shown us that there's a lot of supply chain issues. And, uh, you know, we're using a fair amount of raw ingredient that comes um, from the UK. And in the American brown specifically, there are some overseas malts, and um, that has caused uh, some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we brew uh, more, brown, more American brown than any other beer um, that that we do make, and so having those materials on hand is, uh, you know, it's very important. And so the last couple of years, um, 
uh, having some supply chain issues, not just stateside, but also in the UK even producing, um, has been a little bit of a wake-up call to, like, how do we handle things as we keep growing? Sure. Um, what do we do in the future? Um, how, how can we start to think about how do you make a change if one is necessary? Um, and a lot of those questions remain unanswered, but at least knowing that uh, you can't just be safe um, and that you do have to make some uh, contingency plans. Um, you know, that's that's been kind of important and a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> but it also it, it occurs to me as being uh, very American. Like we have ingredients that come from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. what we come to uh, expect, mm-hmm. um, it, it's not just from one place. Well, I mean, you know, I, it's interesting that you, you say that because this is the first time in my life that I can really think, um, I mean, perhaps when I was younger that I didn't recognize, but in my adult life, this feels like the first time when you just couldn't run out and just always depend on something to be there or be in stock or, um, you know, just have it be sitting on a shelf. And I recognize that, you know, many, if not all, other countries experience that daily. Mm-hmm. And and so it's, uh, you know, it's a little reminder that, you know, uh, things can happen here too. Yeah, it's beer <laughs> with perspective. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So um, in Ian's piece, it's revealed that your colleagues, uh, Dylan, sometimes call you the malt whisperer <laughs> for your ability to handle many different kinds of malts um, and still end up with a perfectly balanced beer. Um, Tell us about that. What is it about malts that makes them such difficult customers? Well, um, I think in terms of just trying to create something that uh, that is intended to be enjoyed, uh, one of the criteria is um, what is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time... Uh, things that are enjoyable are things that you can continue to do. And and so that is something that is always on all of our minds in the brew when we're creating a recipe is like, can you have more than a few sips? Can you have a couple pints? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, and uh, th- that leads us to the last question here. Mm-hmm. I'm a notorious lightweight mm-hmm. when it comes to adult beverages. Mm-hmm. That may or may not have to do with a predisposition, <laughs> a predisposition that is, to eat as I drink. And in fact, my first pint ever of Civil Life American Brown Ale was a draft glass that I actually finished with a medium rare cheeseburger. What are the optimum physical and social conditions for enjoying Civil Life's American Brown Ale, Ian? Well, as I said in the piece, um, it could be the beer that you always have in the fridge for when friends come over, um, you know, to watch a game or something. It's a beer that you could have with with a meal. Um, it's a beer that you could have when you want to have maybe four or five pints okay. and uh, get an Uber home. Or um, <laughs> it could be a beer that you, you know, you just have one or two and it's, it's you don't need to worry that you're going to, you know, tip yourself over over the limit. Um, it can really be suitable for, for all of these different occasions. I most enjoy it when I'm 
watching a game of soccer mm. um, down at Amsterdam Tavern. Um, and yeah, usually it's just one or two. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan, how about for you? Well, you know, I, I, I think that um, beer is, you know, it's just been so important to, to us culturally. And, and I think that um, the, the best way to enjoy these things is with friends. Um, even if you already like something, uh, if you share it with somebody else, you like it more. I would agree. <laughs> Dylan Mosley is malt whisperer and the head brewer at Civil Life. Ian Shaw is the author of An Ode to Civil Life's American Brown Ale, an essay you can drink up in this month's issue of Sauce Magazine. Ian and Dylan, thank you both for being here. Thanks, Thanks for everybody. talking. This episode was produced by Danny Wissentowski. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.